Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 85. Our skill topic, if you can call it that for this week, is persistence, as was recommended by our guest two weeks ago, Andy Klein. Uh, and I was overruled by Tom and Tanda, even though I don't really think this is a skill, but, you know we're talking about it tom what skill class is persistence uh it's, it's a it's a one two uh three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen well you get it you know you gotta just keep going all right that's okay yeah sure that's it let's let's keep going then um Tom, uh, why don't you tell me what your research is on persistence? <clears throat> yes, I have fascinating research on persistence. Are you ready for this? Yes. Turkeys were once worshipped like gods. While the turkey is currently America's favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal, in 300 BC, these big birds were heralded by the Mayan people as vessels of the gods and were honored as such. So much so that they were domesticated to have roles in religious rites. They were symbols of power and prestige and can be found everywhere in Maya iconography and archaeology. I feel like I said that word wrong, but we're going to just keep going <laughs> through. I'm going to persist. How's that? I think it's uh, iconography. Yeah. Or turkey. And, I don't know which one you thought you said wrong, and, but I think it's turkey. They're, they're Mayans, yeah. not, not Maya. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Was... Yeah. was where was the persistence research? Oh, uh, well, um, well, let me try again. Uh, Paul Revere never actually shouted, the British are coming. While everyone knows the story of Revere's famous ride in which he was said to have warned colonial militia of the approaching enemy by yelling, the British are coming. This is actually false. According to history.com, the operation was meant to be quiet and stealthy since British troops were hiding out in the Massachusetts countryside. Also, colonial Americans still considered themselves British. Sidebar. Tanda? Yeah. I feel like Tom is just reading off like weird historical facts, and this has nothing to do with persistence at all. Uh, well, if he keeps reading them long enough, I, I think it does. No, it's just, it's just wasting time. That's not being persistent. He's trying our patience. That's never mind. I think he's still reading. He he could be, but that's that, that's good. He's he's persistent. Yeah, I don't I don't think. All right, all right. let's let's jump yeah, let's, back in. Let's go back and see if yeah. he's still reading. Yeah. Okay, Tom. 12 to 1948, the uh, Olympics Games held competitions in the fine arts. Medals were given for literature. Architecture. Sidebar, PJ. Yeah. It, yeah, he's still reading. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. It's it's not going to stop. We we need to stop him. We need to jump in and stop. I'm going to cut him off and go right to you. Okay, that sounds good. I'll be ready. All right, let's go back. Before the art events were eventually moved, 151 medals were awarded. Tom, that is fascinating. We never knew any of those things. Tanda, what kind of research did you do on persistence? Thanks, PJ. I really enjoyed well, sharing those with you. I, uh, I, I looked into it, and I, I went out, and I searched and searched for um, some information on persistence. I must have spent like, uh, oh, I don't know, 
15, maybe 20 seconds. And I didn't see a lot, so I stopped. Have you got oh. anything? I've got something, yeah. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Really? Oh, man. Um, well, first I, I searched for persistence superstitions, but it kept giving me answers for why superstitions persist, which didn't fit into what I wanted. So I searched for famous persistence, and what I got was eight successful people who proved persistence beats perfection. And this is some of the craziest stuff I think I have to read on this podcast. It's all true stuff. Uh, number one is Benjamin Franklin, who, keep in mind, this is under persistence. According to the Chicago Tribune, was known to be a womanizer and had uh, relations with 11 women while he was married to his wife, Deborah Reed, for 38 years, uh, including him fathering a son just out of wedlock. And he is quoted as saying, after three days, men grow weary of a wench. <laughs> what? I, that. that mm, I, I, I don't, yeah. This, number two? Yeah. Number two? Number two. Uh, Florence Nightingale, okay, known for her compassion, uh, killed more people than she can count in 1854, uh, 1854 when she was asked to manage a hospital in Scutari, which was a village in Asia, and she didn't know anything about sanitary conditions, and all of the soldiers that came in ended up dying of typhus, typhoid, cholera, and dysentery because the place was so disgusting. Ten times the amount of soldiers died from diseases than actual combat wounds and she just thought it was because they had poor nutrition and didn't realize until years later that it was because she didn't know what she was doing but she persevered to help people and that's what she's known for not the massacre at the small asian hospital oh. yeah that's if only people knew the truth um then we come to Thomas Edison. Uh, apparently, Thomas Edison, um, one of the things he invented was a cylinder phonograph, which would be considered an on-demand music player. And he found out that uh, kids, teenagers, were changing the speed to speed up the songs so that they could dance faster. And this aggravated him so much that he ordered his machinists to make a governor for the motor to ensure that it could not be sped up in order to keep his vision solid. I think that's what the movie Dirty Dancing was based on. But but the kids still persisted and were able to uh, to no. outwit him. They they no? couldn't do it. They no. couldn't do it. That not until iPods were invented. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we come to Henry Ford, who was a micromanager, and he, it, it he was said a that big guy. I thought he was a big yeah. guy. That was even before the micro, I think. He 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 did a lot of different things. I think we don't know the full scope there, but uh, it's quoted as saying, "No one ever told him what to do, uh, at least not without expecting a fight." So uh, he. <laughs> Workers disliked him. He was monotone and mind-numbingly repetitive 
with tasks that needed to be done. Uh, he believed that discipline was necessary to prevent chaos, and his employees received a 15-minute lunch break. It was their only break. They were not allowed to talk, sing, whistle, or sit down, or even lean on machinery while they were eating lunch. Even smiling was discouraged. So... <laughs> This, this is, this That's the like, sort of behavior we just can't tolerate. Uh, right, right, right. You know, um, despite all of these habits that he forced on his employees, he was still a success uh, with the automotive industry. So th that's a thing. Um, <laughs> this is a good one. Uh, Albert Einstein. So he had problems with family relationships. Uh, ten years into his marriage with his first wife, Maliva Merrick, he had an affair with his cousin Elsa. <laughs> so, I, I don't know how that started, but this is what it says. Uh, he asked Merrick for a divorce, and she refused. So then he responded with a list of to-dos, hoping to force her hand, but it didn't work. So his to-dos were that she had to make sure his clothes and laundry were kept in good order, he had to receive three meals regularly in his room, and that the bedroom and study are kept neat, uh, especially his desk, which was left for his use only. Um, he eventually divorced his wife to marry Elsa, but then cheated on her as well. <laughs> Jeez. Nice guy. Yeah. What number was that? That was number five. Um, we've got three more. Uh, Helen Keller uh, was apparently known for throwing tyrannical fits in her early years, which is very common with deaf and blind children. But uh, it is reported that she would smash dishes, lamps, plunge her hands into other people's plates. Uh, on occasion, she dashed into a parlor in red flannel underwear and pinched her grandma Adams, chasing her from the room. And um, despite all of her uncontrollable behavior, uh, which most people felt she should be institutionalized for, by age 24, she created uh, a deaf and blind woman capable of touch lip reading, braille, speech typing, and finger spelling. So all of her destructive behavior was then spun into productive behavior because of her persistence. And she's known How as one of the most... How did she go into a parlor... I have a question. How did she go into a parlor, find her grandmother, and chase her out? She couldn't see or hear. Maybe she smelled Sonar. her. Sonar. Well, no, she, could, she couldn't hear. Well, no, she could just feel it. I think she famous for sonar capabilities versus being... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blind. I'm going to go with smell. That she, she could yeah. still smell Maybe things. it was a small parlor and her grandmother was cornered. I mean, grannies are notorious for having a specific kind of odor, you know? They they have that mothball <laughs> smell. Right, but now you're telling me she was the only granny in the entire place? I didn't well, say the only that one that both... smelled that way. Yeah, she could tell them apart. Like, one smelled like mothballs, the other one was meatballs. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> one side was Italian. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on, we have Walt And ironically, Disney. that was the one that smelled like mothballs. Okay, yeah. Uh, Walt Disney is number seven. 
And uh, he, while being synonymous with wholesome family entertainment, smoked like a chimney to the point where his daughter bought him uh, filtered cigarettes as a Christmas gift. And he said, I'll be sure to use these. And then he broke off the ends of the filters and then smoked them without a filter. And then he died of lung cancer at 65. So, But his vision persisted even to this day. So, I don't is really that called persistence are... of vision? That's what we're going to call what? it. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Uh, and number eight, Elon Musk. Known as an uh, optimistic outlook kind of person, he's actually a pessimist. And in a 2015 interview, he said, I have OCD on product-related issues. I always see what's wrong. I never see what's right. It's not a recipe for happiness. So the reason that he's so successful is because he's constantly spotting all of the bad things about the products and making people improve them. Well, so. I think that's just being an engineer. I, I, I think these are bad examples of persistence, personally, but I found a lot of them very interesting. Glad you read them all. Yeah, you know, you should suffer with me. You've just entered the dealer's corner where bargains are currency. Prepare yourself. All right. We're going to start with our, our write-in. Tanda, you got something for us. Yeah, I have uh, a write-in from Overall Makerworks. So that's Eric. And uh, it didn't have a title, so I've titled it the One Gallon for Every Year Slushy Deal. And it's uh, my, my wife and I both just turned 50 and we're having a party. So I pounced on this Facebook marketplace deal. It's a Ugolini MT2 Frigio Granita slushy machine. Came with four syrup concentrate bags, two cherry and two blue raspberry, which were three gallons each. One of each flavor was slightly used. So probably 10 gallons of syrup. And that gets mixed five to one, which means 50 gallons of slushies. Holy Whoa. cow. Howie, you may get some leftover slushies. One side doesn't cool. The motor squeaks. The auger is cracked and is missing a plastic bushing and drip tray. But the other side works perfectly. And I have faith I can fix all the other stuff. These machines retail for $1,500 new. I paid 25 bucks. He got a thousand percent discount. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. That's a lot of Half that's a, a lot of machine. slushies for twenty five bucks. Yeah. I, I I can't tell you the last time I had a slushie. Like it's it's been de decades. Yeah. I saw the video I I that could. he posted. It made me want a slushie. Yeah. Well, that's an awesome deal, dude. I hope you and your wife sip them. You know, slowly. Don't don't eat them all at once. It's not it's not a good recipe. Yeah, yeah. Just a little you bit of time. You don't want to get uh, brain, brain freeze. freeze. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, I I've got two. Um, well, one's a follow up from last week. Let me let me start. I'm gonna do that last because that's that's kind of funny. Uh, so my deal for this week is called Dalton's Deal or No Deal. This guy put up an ad on Marketplace for what turned out to be a 1951 Delta DP220 drill press with the original motor 
and an aftermarket belt cover for 50 bucks. And I got a feeling on this one. I'm like, don't haggle the guy. Just say you'll take it. It was in rough shape, too. Uh, so you know how it's, uh, most of the tables have an arc of shame? It looks like a smiley face. I don't know how he manages mm -hmm. this, but there's two separate arcs of shame. It's a double smile. I don't know how that happens. The table is fixed. So anyway, uh, so I asked him if he's got any other tools and he's like, yeah, I got a bunch of them. Just look at my listings. And I look and he's literally got like, it looks like I'm looking at my tools. Like he's got like so many things laid out on the ground. I'm like, okay, there's, there's, there's opportunities here. And a lot of the other tools were like 10 bucks a tool. So I go and I pick out four Black & Decker electric hedge trimmers, uh, four Craftsman 3-inch by 21-inch belt sanders, uh, two 7-and-a-quarter-inch Rockwell circular saws, a Craftsman auto scroller, and a Weller jigsaw. Now, we plugged in everything to make sure that the stuff worked because he insisted that everything worked. Uh, the auto scroller did not work. Uh, one of the uh, belt sanders wouldn't turn off. So those two, I'm like, ah, oh, man, these things aren't working right. You know, so I'm like trying to like, you know, get get a discount and stuff. And I'm like, what about the one that doesn't work? He goes, I don't know, a couple bucks on that one. So I'm like, how much for everything? And he goes, 185 and I'm like, all right, man, look, I'm, I'm buying a bunch. How about 160 He goes, nah, nah, I can't do that. And I'm like, all right, man, we'll, we'll throw some numbers out here. Come on, meet me in the middle here. Don't go halfway. He goes, 180 And I'm like, but you're giving Whoa. me $5 off? Yeah. Come on, man. That stuff, that doesn't even work. He goes, yeah, I gave you a little price break on that. But, you know, I got guys coming. Like, when I showed up, there was two people there buying stuff. He goes, after you're, you know, like, that one guy's coming back, and I got other people coming. I got four other people said so they were on the way. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this stuff's going to disappear. So I'm like, all right, here's your 180 bucks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I just took the stuff and left. So, um, so yeah, there was that was that. Uh, and I did I did fix the sander, but I haven't had time to get to the, uh, to the jigsaw. So, um follow-up from last week on the pipe wrenches that needed to be shipped so on thursday i thought i was getting a phone call but the guy just showed up the the yrc shipping company which is the yellow freight the guy uh shows up while i'm inside the shop and he gets my attention i'm like oh hey 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 so i walk out there and he sees the pallet on the ground he goes yeah i can't take this and i'm like what are you talking about he goes, this won't fit on my lift gate. I'm like, sure it will. He goes, nah, it's too long, won't fit. And I'm like, we can get it in the truck. Do you have a pallet jack? He goes, yeah, I got a pallet jack. I'm like, we can get it in the truck. He's like, all right, then you do it. So <laughs> we walk out to the truck. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Walk out to the truck, get the pallet jack off, put it on there, and then I wheel it out there. The only thing, the only problem we had was I didn't account for my driveway dips at street level so then the pallet kind of got stuck a little so that took a little shimmying but then all i did was basically pull it onto the lift gate at an angle so it wasn't fully on the lift gate but the pallet jack was on the lift gate and then he gets on there and he hits the button then it goes up and he goes oh how about that it, it does go on <laughs> 
He does that every time. At the end of the day, day, he goes, I didn't have to lift one thing today. Customers did the whole thing. So I'm, um, I can't remember exactly how this transpired, but after that, um, oh, I said, I've got paperwork for you. So I ran to get the paperwork and then I was just talking to the guy just randomly. And I'm like, yeah, this is my first time sending stuff to Canada. He goes, this is going to Canada? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I need customs paperwork. And I'm, I, I said, what What do you mean? He goes, I, I need customs paperwork or this can't go. I can't take it. I said, okay, where do I get that? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'm like, well, is there something like from your company or can I go to a website and print it out? I don't know. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, so then I'm like calling Eric. I'm, I'm, I'm on, all I've got is I'm on Instagram, like trying to get him to video chat and he won't pick up. Like I call him twice, no answer. So then I'm texting him. I'm like, the shipper's here. I need customs paperwork now. And he's like, I'm at the hospital. My kid broke his arm or broke his leg or something oh or might've been his daughter. I don't know. It was one of the kids. He's got like 80 of them, but there was a broken limb. And I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? Because he's here and I need paperwork. He goes, hold on a second. So we're waiting and I'm sitting there talking to the guy. Who The guy was super cool. And then Eric's like, all right, I emailed you the form. And I said, all right. I said, look, I'm going to go in. I'm going to get the form. I'll print it out. I'll bring it out to you. He said, all right. So he waits out there. I go in and Eric sent me a blank form. It is a blank it just says commercial invoice and and the only thing that was filled in was it said delivery method truck (laughs) so so then i had to fill everything out i'm trying to type as fast as i can because the guy's outside waiting and i'm like oh man i'm like screwing up his whole schedule so i typed everything out and i get down down with the paperwork and he looks at it and i'm like okay is this what you need he goes i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i'm like well what should we do he goes i gotta call somebody so he takes a picture of it texts it to somebody and then calls his company but he gets like it's apparently a new number because they just changed all the numbers and it doesn't go to the person he wants so then he has to call a different number and get transferred so he does that and he's like hey deborah yeah uh, i texted you something on your phone can you tell me if that's what i need for customs and she's like um, well, I mean, I mean, it looks good. And he goes, well, I mean, don't you know, like everything needs to be there? She goes, this, well, it's not really my department. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just fill the snack machines. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, she goes, it looks good enough. So he's like, all right. So he takes it, he leaves. So today I get a voicemail from Cindy over at YRC can you please email me the commercial invoice for customs? And I'm like, I kind of wonder if this was going to happen because I was talking to Ben makes KC about this. And he said, Oh, well, when I sent something to Eric, I had to make multiple copies of the customs mm-hmm. paperwork. And I'm like, yeah. Oh man, I only made one copy. He goes, you're probably going to hear from him. <laughs> so, so anyway, awesome. that was it. That's the follow up. And uh, hopefully it, it makes it, in, you know, to Eric. Were those deals hot enough for you? You got a sizzling deal that's burning a hole in your pocket? Send it in. Maybe we'll read it on air. All right. It is time for personal history. Tom, 
Tell us your <clears throat> personal history persistence story. Man. Uh, I, I really haven't given this any thought. I mean, I've been designing a lot of things, obviously. And design inherently requires persistence because it never goes right the first time. So I think that's my, I don't know. I like to give up. I think, I think giving up is a skill. We should do an episode on giving up. Um, I think it's important to know when to give up and how to give up and why to give up. But I'm pretty persistent. And I think it's because I'm super stubborn in a lot of ways. And I just refuse to be defeated. Yeah. Well, if you can be defeated, who are you battling against? Ooh, that's the question. Batman. Does that mean you're a supervillain? No, Batman's the villain. We all know this. Superman's the good guy. <clears throat> They're both good guys. Mm, I don't know about that. Vengeance is not a good guy trait, and Batman's all about vengeance. Well, you're not wrong. Uh, was that the sum total of your persistence, Tom? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I'll probably think of something while Tanda's talking, and then I'll talk, and then we'll forget about PJ, and that'll work out for everybody. So, Tanda, what's your personal history with persistence? Uh, I think it's probably very similar to yours, Tom. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a um, an unwillingness to... Um, you know, to not find out how something works or to not get something working or to, um, but it is selective. I mean, there are things where I just put them aside, but I tend to make these big circles and keep coming back to things that were unresolved and start working on them again. So it's kind of a, um, globally I'm persistent, but I'll work on something and, at some point, if I just don't have the knowledge or the skill set to push it any further, I'll go off and work on something else. But I, I tend to keep coming back around to those things and keep pushing them forward. So it's kind of kind of this relentless, like kind of like you said, I'm not going to let this get the best of me. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to do this, and I may have to walk away from it, but. I'm not going to just throw up my hands. I'm going to go learn more and come back to it and stay at it. You got any specific examples? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Tanda, you first. Yeah, or if you have something, Tom, that comes to mind, go ahead. Well, lots of things, I guess. I mean, I, almost all of my skills I, I start and quit and then revisit when I have more knowledge. Um, the laser was one of those. Like, I just, I didn't know how to use, I didn't know how to use something until I had the real desire to do something with it. Um, I, I'm still battling that with the CNC. So, like, I've completely quit trying to figure out my CNC, but I know I'll revisit it at some point and, and get back to it and learn it and then make stuff with it. Now, I did dip my toe with the shape or origin, but that's barely a CNC. Like, it does all the same things, but it's it's miles easier. So, all of my skills, the Bridgeport Mills that are both staring at me right now, 
because I've never basic I've basically never used them. And I have a lot of things like that where and it's and I, what I'm saying though is it's okay. Like I'll get to them when I need to get to them. But I like to have them or I like to start that knowledge journey and put it on the shelf for a while and let that knowledge marinate and then I'll get back to them. So I'm not a quitter. I'm just a I'm a I'm changer. A yeah. yeah, I was just thinking that as you were talking. I mean, is it persistence if you stop something midway before it's, you know, to completion? Or is there a completion on many of these things? And just coming back to it and continuing to further that is is still persistence. Right. I'll quit when I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I would say that um like i i wanted to start a a business from the time i was pretty young i remember that my dad always had a side business and i always wondered why he didn't just do the side business full time instead of working for someone else and so i just kind of always wanted to like have a business and i just kept coming back around to trying to find something and some way to start my own business. And then when I was in college, I did. Um, and even, even after that, after I did that business in, through college, and then I graduated, I went to work for someone else. Uh, that company got into trouble, um, ended up going bankrupt. I just went back to that business and changed what I did with that business, but you know, made it into something else. Um, and then, uh, you know, kids came along and stuff, went to work for somebody else for a while, but then just still wanted to, to have a business. So I started a business doing, you know, doing design work and it morphed and changed and became, you know, I, I did a number of different things under that business name as it grew, but just continually you know, wanted to do my own thing and have a business. So I found a way to continue to make it, make money and work. Um, so I think that that's, um, that's where I've been persistent, um, is just always, you know, growing my business. Even when I was working for someone else, I'm always like adding to this future business. So... That's that's mm -hmm. probably the best example. PJ, what do you have? Oh, we're out of time. Ah, uh, darn no, it! No, I'm just kidding. We've <clears throat> we've still got we've still got a few minutes. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I wasn't really thinking about it until you said about the businesses. Um, I wasn't going to go into deep history, but when I was growing up, my my dad, my grandpa, my uncle, many family members all had their own businesses. So I was raised sort of in that environment of that's what you did. Like you you worked a regular job, but then you also had a side business. And I started my first one when I was in high school. I had a paintball supply business. And from there, it went to college. I had an airbrushing business. Uh, then I tried to start a 3D graphics business, but that sort of failed like right off the bat. Um, then from there, I went to my jewelry making business. Um, then I I tried to do real estate, which ended badly. 
uh, I kept like I kept moving forward trying to find businesses include like I I started uh, I wrote scripts and uh, that's what took me to film school so then I started my own production company and that sort of took us to here where now I have the 3d printing business I've got the tool business and you know there's other things that I'm also doing so that that persistence to find a successful business uh, has been there for a very long time um, however I was thinking about it and while I think a lot of people could associate persistence with being stubborn my view of persistence is an unwillingness to settle for things as they are and so I'm going to give you two two current examples uh, I have insomnia I've had it for almost 10 years and going to sleep is a struggle and it's a big pain because prior to me having I had to, I got Lyme disease from tick and after that was when the insomnia started so I was used to just being able to go to sleep whenever I wanted and just sleep like straight through tornadoes and stuff like I was no problems mm -hmm. at all and now it's like the complete opposite of that everything is a struggle so what I have been doing was going to bed at 11 o'clock and I would watch uh, like TV or movies or videos or stuff on my phone in bed until my eyes were so tired that I couldn't stay awake. And usually that would be until like one or two in the morning and then I'd pass out and then I'd try to get up at seven in the morning, which is damn near impossible. Mm. Um, so then I would end up, if it was a bad day, I'd end up getting up at like 10 in the morning and then like, you know, most of the day has already started, which was bad. Right. So isn't, isn't screen time like, like the antithesis of what you should be doing if you're trying to go to sleep? That's what they say. But if I was just to sit there and stare at the ceiling, I'd just be staring at the ceiling for two or three hours. Like right. that, like my, yeah. that doesn't tire my eyes out. I need something to, to chill me out. And so watching something, Basically, watching a thing stops my brain from thinking thoughts. That's yep. so. That's that's the problem. No, I, is that I it's too busy. Hear you on that. So, um, so anyway, blueberry picking season has started, and I knew that if I could not get to sleep, I have to get up at seven in the morning because I've got to be out there between eight and nine, and I've got to be picking all day until five o'clock. So I'm like, I've got to do something something has to change so i'm like what if i go to bed at 10 o'clock instead of 11 and let me just try that and so that's what i did last week and i found that if i go to bed at 10 for some reason i can fall asleep at midnight and then i can get up at seven it's not easy but i can do it and that is something that i had that's that's a brand new thing I've never gone to bed in my life at 10 o'clock unless I was sick. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's that persistence of trying to find a solution um, and to, to a thing that I have zero control over. I can't control the insomnia. Right. Um, and then let's roll forward into the blueberry picking. So I pick blueberries, wild blueberries, down the street from where I live in the forest. And I do it every year in July for several weeks when they are in you know ripe 
for the picking. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to go. There's basically like a three-week window when you can go. And when you pick, there's like, say, four to five days in between each spot. Like if you go to one bush, pick all the good ripe ones, then you've got like four or five days before you have to come back and get the new ones or they're going to go bad because blueberries ripen at different rates. So there's right. always going to be some that are ripe and some that aren't. So this is out in the heat with bugs. I'm wearing long cargo pants so that I'm not getting scraped up on my legs and the bugs aren't getting my legs. I got a long sleeve shirt on, again, so that my arms aren't getting cut up because blueberry bushes are notorious for having sharp edges. They will cut you up like a cat. And then I got my hat on. I got a bunch of gear on. So it's hot out. I'm hot and I'm working. And usually, I mean, it's nice and peaceful because it's the woods. But mm -hmm. usually sometime around, let's say, noon, I am just at this point where I'm like, I don't want to be out here picking. It's hot. I'm tired. Even though I got sleep, I feel exhausted. And I just don't want to do it. But I know if I don't do it, the berries are going to get mushy. And then when I go picking the next day, I'm going to get like basically blueberry juice all over my fingers. Then they're going to be sticky. And then that's going to make it twice as hard to pick the berries. So I persist to go through. I have a circuit that I go through. Uh, if you think of like a map, I've got a starting mm -hmm. point and I have to go through the circuit every time now it's taken me because for some reason the last two years there's double the amount of blueberries so it, what used to take me two and a half days now takes me four full days to pick so that just throws everything out of whack also but again this is we're talking about persistence so uh in the last three days um from friday to i'm sorry from saturday to monday i picked 10 quarts and two pints which used to take me five days so the, the yield is, is is very good right now anyway that's that's my example of present day persistence and i mean i've been picking berries since i think 2015 and so i just and i keep doing it because right it's it's to me like some people are big on going to church i don't go to church Picking the blueberries is my church. Like, that's my going to church. That's my, you know, people go on sabbatical. They have, like, their, their time communing with nature. That's what I do, you know. So that's that's my explanation. Yeah. Well, that makes me think of more short-term persistence things. And I'll keep it, keep it short. But, like, I will decide that I'm just going to finish something. This, this machine is going to work before I leave. <laughs> or this this bit of code is going to make this thing happen before I leave work, and I will, on on not rare occasions, will work for like twenty two hours, thirty hours, to get something working. And and I've just always done that. And when I was editing patents, that I recently stopped that job. Um, the the guy who uh, hired me would call me late at night, like at 10 o'clock, say, I've got one ready and that needs to be done. And I would go and start reading and I would just read for like three and a half hours. 
Um, I would sit there at his table. I would read for three and a half hours until I was done. And then I would read back my edits to him and leave. But yeah, when I get locked onto something, I'm pretty tenacious. I forgot, I forgot to add something that you, you reminded me of, Tanda. So when I started out with the berry picking, I was not good and I was very unprepared. So from, from then till now, I have a full set of gear and processes that I employ to keep everything going, that persistence. So like, I didn't start out with the long sleeves and long pants. That became obvious after a few days with the scrapes and the bugs. But then um, I got the wide brim straw hat to keep the sun off of me. I've got bug mm -hmm. spray. I've got sunscreen. But now I also have, uh, I've got a hook that I carry, which is a an adapted, um, you know, those expandable mops, the mop handles for like a whiffer, swiffer. Mm -hmm. So it's an aluminum handle that you can expand out double the length. I put a, a a hook for like holding a bicycle up in the air on the end of that and I wrapped it with rubber so that I can reach up and grab uh, the tall trees which are like 10-12 feet and bring them down to me to get the high up berries that's if you don't have a hook you can't do it because they're just too tall uh, I have a hydration backpack I originally was carrying a water bottle but that just like bangs into your leg all day if it's hooked to your belt uh, I have you know, the um, padded uh, suspender straps for, like, uh, when you're doing construction work mm -hmm. to hold up your pants. So I have those, and those will actually hold the hook when I'm not holding it. Uh, yeah, you don't want my... your pants falling down in a patch of scratchy blueberries. <laughs> that, too. That, too. Um, I've got my back support. Uh, and then, um, because my neck is open, I started carrying a, there's a, I don't know the name of it but it's like a scarf that you wet and you put around your neck and it keeps you cool down. It's called a, like a cool wrap or something like that. So all of these things are evolution over the years to keep them moving forward. Like if I didn't have all that, I probably would have given up by now. But that persistence for the unwillingness to accept things as they are, to be, because I'm uncomfortable out there, so I try to make it as comfortable as possible. And... Um, one of the new things I did this year, which I've never done, I always put ice cubes in the water backpack to keep things cold. But this year I also took a frozen ice pack and I put that in there on the outside to add, add extra support so that it'll stay colder longer since I'm out in the heat. So that's this year's addition. So just keep revising. Well, sucky darn, I think it's time for one of them old-timey commercial energy lubes and stuff. Hello, this is Elroy at Johnson's Hardware. Does the smallest obstacle get in your way? Do, uh, do you give up too quiet quickly? Well, we have the Persistometer. This is Chavez! It's not the persistometer. It's the Johnson's persistometer. Come on, man! Oh, well, <clears throat> sorry. Well, we have the Johnson's persistometer. You can use the persistometer to avoid distractions and to also... That's not what it's for! It's for moving forward! Come on, man! This is Chavez! 
the uh, the per system meter is for moving forward. It can help you in your daily life and get more done. Do you know how to read? Oh my god, come on man, the persistent meter is $44.95 in our persistent meter aisle. This is Chavez! You can get us on patreon.com forward slash maker skills! It's alright, Elroy, you'll get it. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. It's time for crossbreeding. Uh, Tom, what skill goes well with persistence? I already said it. Design. Design goes well with persistence. Okay. Danda, <laughs> what skill goes well with persistence? Mm. Uh, okay. Insomnia. Apparently. Well, no, staying awake, I guess I should say. That's, that, that's a skill for sure. Sometimes an unfortunate one. Yeah. Um... I'm going to go blueberry picking. All right, and that wraps up this segment. <laughs> mm, this was made on the fly. I hope you like it. So all this talk about persistence reminds me of that time that the three of us got hired by an unnamed client to build a box. Um... You guys, you, you know box. the box I'm talking about, right? Yeah, a box. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, mm. um, I, I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the, the initial uh, offering, you know, we, we were given a, a, a budget, and um, they said they wanted a nice hinged oak box that was presentable, like, to put something in that that's that's what i recall is that what you guys recall uh yeah sort of i mean i think that in in fairness they said you know it it's like making a it's like just like making a hinged box a simple hinged box and we kind of assumed that they meant it would be making a simple hinged box mm -hmm. right but yeah mm -hmm. we that turned out right. to be wrong yeah well I mean, yeah, and I, I wasn't even going to help you guys. I was like, what, what do we need, you know, why do we need three makers to make a, a simple hinged box? I thought it was a little silly, so I kind of just sat back and let you guys take the lead on that. Well, uh, they kept texting us for updates and stuff, and we had mm -hmm. basically the very beginnings. We had a box shape that was about the size of like a shoebox, and we texted them pictures. We're like, this is where we're at, and they, they were not, not happy. Yeah, they, well, they were like, oh, yeah, that's a... That's a great mock-up, but it's it's well, not gonna not gonna hold the cattle. And we're like the right. cattle. What what do you mean, like right. a full-size cow? And mm -hmm. yeah, it kind of escalated from there. I've never seen a cow box. Have you guys seen a cow box before? Well, that's I think that's kind of the point of why they were asking us to make one. Right, right. So um, more more questions. Uh, then we had to go. You know get a lot more wood since cows would be clearly larger right and and you know we started basically large format construction and we had the frame put together uh and and, and they didn't like that either mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. yeah i mean they they kind of liked it but but it wouldn't move right um by right. itself which of course we didn't 
realize it was supposed to. Well, I assumed they'd use the cattle to move it, but that, you know, what happens when you assume. Uh, right, right. So then uh, I managed to find some, some wheels and an axle, a couple of axles, and uh, we just slapped them on there, just, you know, because that's what they asked for. I mean, it just, like, it seemed like every day what they wanted became more detailed. Is that, that's what I recall. It worked up to 30, 35, but, I mean, who, who races with a mobile cattle box? I mean, that was, like, not even on our minds. We had no right. idea that, I mean, that this was, it was going a small to, barn. to have to, have to reach top speeds. I, I've never heard of barn racing. That's that's a new one for me. And if I had known that we were making a racing barn, the cattle barn racing. Even so, I would have charged more. I mean, come on, the race cars are known for like a barn. That's high end. You know, we could have like doubled our price easy. Doubled. I mean, we basically bid a jewelry box price, and here we are right. making making a box with wheels, powered, the motor. That could hold three cows. Well, I mean, we did get additional funds. I'm just saying, like, doubled by the end, not the initial offering. You know. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. I mean, they were good to raise the price, or we probably would have not persisted. But we, you know, they kept offering to pay us a little more, and we kept yeah, they building. Yeah, they were reasonable. Yeah. I I mean, we had to hire a driver, a small driver because we just didn't have room for a full-size driver, but... Why was that? I We just didn't think. We figured that, you know, we'd all heard of a cattle drive and figured the cattle would drive, but it didn't didn't work out that way. It turns out it there had to be three cows and a driver all in the same box. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like we were the three cows, you know? Eh, it did, did. I, I was going to yeah. deny it. We but were certainly it, penned it, in. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It did. yeah. I kind of feel like after we got started, we just kind of were like, we had to keep going. Like, there was no way out of it yeah. until it was done. There was a lot of poking and prodding. Well, it's it's one of those things where you, like, you draw something on the whiteboard and you, and you, and as outlandish as the request is, you're kind of locked in and you're like, I think we can do this. And, and then you don't want to stop because you want to prove that you can do it. I absolutely drew the line when they were like, uh, can you take the wheels off and put tank treads on? I'm like, no, we're not doing that. You're going to stick with the wheels. Mm -hmm. So I, There's I had no way limit. we could have achieved maximum speed. I mean, they wanted us to go like 120 on not a dirt with tank track. Treads. No. Not with tank treads. Kilometers, no. kilometers yeah. an hour. This was, in, this was overseas. Well, I did the conversion. About 60. Uh, yeah. we've, we've, we've said too much. We've said too much. I think, <clears throat> okay, yeah, that, that's... Uh, that's that's enough. Okay, you guys you guys know what, what yeah. happened. Do I need so. to send a note to our attorney? No, no, no. Uh, we're gonna cut it right there. No, he, she just she just listens to every show now. Oh yeah, cut out that last part. Yeah, sure they made something. They made it all up. All right, it is time for short and sweet. Tom, you got anything to wrap up the show? Frogpod business or anything? Yeah, I, I always forget stuff, but um, I was on a couple podcasts. I was on Making Geeks podcast this past week. 
Um, Wes was on our show not long ago. He does Making Geeks, and that's a live show, and that's fun. Um, and then I was on Work For It, which was also very fun, and I, I really hope to go back like sometime right after, shortly after-ish, FrogPod, and talk about that, the second part of the FrogPod process, which is manufacturing and fulfillment and all that. Um, so, but those guys were great, um, fun conversations on both. I, I tried to talk about different things. Uh, there was certainly some crossover, but I tried to talk about different things on each podcast. It's kind of tough to kind of force the conversation away from the things you've already chatted about so much, but, um, it was good to like repeat my story over and over and, uh, and, and share that with a different audience, so. It was a lot of fun, though. So go check out those two podcasts. Work for it and Making Geeks. That, that sounds like one of them is uh, a family show. <clears throat> yes, very much. Um, but, uh, yeah, they talk about ki- their kids a lot. They talk about all that stuff. But they're also makers. So it's a, it's a nice blend and crossover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Tanda, what about you? You got anything for short and sweet? Kids are maker skill, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, just a just a quick note. Um, if you like, just talk about uh, comparing and contrasting yaks and lemmings, and their you know herd properties and hair quality. That's something you can talk mm-hmm. about on a podcast, you know, instead of what you usually talk about. So maybe mm-hmm. next time, just do that for the podcast instead of talking about frog pod or something else. So just, just Fair throwing enough. it out there. Okay. PJ, what do you have? Uh, well, I, uh, since, since Tom didn't want to talk about it, I want to point out that, um, uh, CMAT make was at his shop and I got to say, I thought that Tom was only lazy on the podcast but he faked a foot injury so that he could sit there and watch Matt <laughs> rearrange his entire shop. <laughs> which you found me out. <laughs> master stroke, I gotta say. Just watching oh Matt run gosh. around was great, you know. He I see, I told you I was gonna forget stuff. Matt, thank you. Like, seriously. He whipped this place into shape so fast. Like it's I think it's currently cleaner than my last shop was ever. That's impressive. Mm, mm. Uh, I have um, still not released the Holdenators, but I persist. And uh, before the show started, I took all of the product photos and I organized them into folders. So that way I can actually start making the product sales photos the promo photos uh and there's only 87 photos to go through so you know super you know i'm very motivated to 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 get to that someday um and i i finished two restorations so there i posted them there they look cool one was a stove door the other was a giant old pulley and uh you should go and check them out they look very nice and they're for sale if you like them let me know uh, i want to thank our top patreon supporters our very own tanda and creator nader and you could be a top patreon supporter 
right now. If you go to patreon.com forward slash makerskills and cough up some hard-earned cash so that, you know, we actually feel the love in a monetary sense. Like we're about to go do in the secret segment. And this one is going to be revealing an actual secret because it's something I teased about last week. I'm going to talk about it in the secret segment this week in Sick and Tired. That's the segment we're doing. But only the patrons are going to hear it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maker Skills. If you should need more skill information, you can find us on Instagram at maker.skills. You can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five-star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.